I have a question for you. How would you show up at a friend's house who had just lost their entire life savings? They had nothing left. They didn't have assets that they could replenish that savings with. It was all gone. But you knew that they were going to win a million-dollar lottery later in the day. How would you show up? Well, we're going to look at something similar to that as we continue our study in the Gospel of John. How do you define a successful life? If your answer can be summarized as earthly excellence and sacred significance, you're at the right place. Join host Stephanie Smith as she shares three keys unlocking a life of lasting purpose. Learn yourself, love God, and live connected. You'll become smarter about yourself, skilled in human dynamics, savvy about the Christian faith, and strengthened to pass this wisdom on to upcoming generations. And now, let's get started. Welcome back to Life's Key 3. We are working through the Gospel of John, and it's taking us a little while because John is such an interesting writer. He has this way of packing so much information into his writing. He's not verbose. He doesn't use all kinds of analogies and adjectives, and and he's not long-winded. And because of that, you really have to take your time to read because there's so much packed into just these short passages. It reminds me a little bit of Dallas Willard's book, which I love, The Divine Conspiracy. That's just not a book that you can just breeze through because he had so much profound information that he packed into that book. By the way, if you're looking for a really great book to to read about matters of faith that will inspire you, and yet it's also incredibly practical and relevant and can give you some truly fresh insights into biblical narratives and stories and principles that maybe you've been uh, thinking about your entire life, I highly encourage you to check out that book. Well, today we are continuing in chapter 11 of John's Gospel. And what we looked at last time is that Mary and Martha had, their, their brother Lazarus had died. Now, Prior to his death, they had sent Jesus a message and said, hey, the, the person that you love, our brother, is sick. And they had written a script that Jesus was going to show up and he was going to heal Lazarus and everything was going to just be beautiful and it was going to be this wonderful story. And Jesus just didn't go along with that. Instead, Jesus doesn't even show up until Lazarus has died and is buried. And he's been in the tomb for four days at this point. And in the last episode, we saw how Martha comes to Jesus with her pain, her grief, her disappointment, her script that he had not aligned with. And she comes and she says to him, Jesus, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Does she really know that? No, Jesus could have been there and Lazarus still could have died. But she had written the script and we all do that. We all write these scripts about how things are going to be. And then when God doesn't go along with our script, 
we have an incredible choice about how we're going to respond. Well, today we're going to pick up with Mary. Mary, like Martha, comes to Jesus when, after Martha has heard discourse with Jesus, Martha went out to seek Jesus. She took the initiative to go to him. And after she has this conversation with Jesus, where she makes the statement, you are the Christ, the Son of God, a profound statement of faith that very few people up until that point had been willing to make that clearly and that directly. Martha then goes and gets Mary and says, hey, Jesus is asking for you. Mary comes to Jesus, and it's interesting because she begins by making the very same statement that Martha had made. She says, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, she stops there. She does not immediately go on and continue that statement with a profession of faith, but she does assume a position of of submission and of respect. She falls at Jesus' feet as she's saying this. Now, I don't know whether this was a, a posture of pleading or it was a posture of worship. We don't really know, and we don't want to ascribe something to her motivation that's not clearly stated in Scripture. But still, like Martha, she comes to Jesus with her pain and her disappointment and her statement that basically says, why didn't you show up the way that we thought you would? And even though she's not asking that question directly, it's still a part of that statement that she is making that Jesus, if you would have been here, he wouldn't have died. And again, this is a reminder to us that we can always come to God with our disappointment. We can come to him with our scripts and go, uh, why didn't it go this way? Why didn't I have that healing? Why didn't my family member have that healing? Why did you not stop me from losing that relationship or that job or that that income or those life savings or my health or that my child has walked away from you. We all have disappointment scripts, if we're honest, that we can still bring to Jesus. And what is Jesus' response to this? He sees Mary and Martha. He sees their friends and, and maybe other family members who, who have come to visit them and and are with them during this time of intense sorrow. And Jesus weeps. Why? I mean, think about it for a minute. Jesus knows that in just a matter of minutes, he is going to call Lazarus back to life, and they are going to have a celebration party like none other. He knows Lazarus is going to be resurrected. So why does he grieve? You know, early in the episode, I asked the question about how would you show up at a friend's house if they had just lost all of their um, finances, if they had just lost all of their worldly goods, but you knew that they were going to win a million-dollar lottery in just a short period of time. Would you show up going, oh, wait, wait, no, what? You know what? You don't have to worry about that. 
never mind that your 401k got wiped out, never mind that you don't have any equity in your home, maybe you don't even have a house anymore, never mind that you are bankrupt because you know what's going to happen? You are not going to have to worry about this because in just a little while, you are going to find out that you have won a million dollars and all of these issues are going to go away. That would be my tendency. It wouldn't be to show up and think, okay, well, I'm going to sit here and and I'm going to grieve with them and, and I'm going to watch them go through all this anxiety and all this fear and all this suffering and I'm just going to be present with them. But it's okay because I just know in the back of my mind that it's all going to work out. That would be, I would want to end the grieving like right away. I would want that to all stop. I wouldn't want to enter into the suffering with them when I knew that it was going to be temporary. And that's very similar to what is going on here. Jesus shows up. He knows Lazarus is going to be coming back from the dead in just a matter of minutes. So why does he weep? Why does it say that he is troubled? Why does it say that he is sorrowful? Why does he enter into grief when he knows it's going to be turned around in just a moment? There is a powerful lesson in this miraculous story for us. It's not just that Jesus has the power to cause people to come back from the dead. It is because Jesus chooses to enter into the present moments of our lives with us, even when he knows our suffering is temporary and he knows the end. Our grief, our sadness, our struggles, our sorrows, when they're measured by the clock of eternity, are all only seconds. Yes, it may be days, weeks, years, decades in our life of suffering. But when we look at it from the perspective of eternity, it's here and it's gone. Our lives are, like the psalmist wrote, like grass that springs up today and then it's withered by tomorrow. You see, Jesus knows that the day is coming when all of our pain and our sadness and our tears, our struggles, our disappointment will end. He knows that. And because God is outside of time for him, that's already happened. We live within these constraints of time. God does not. And yet, the very God, the very God chooses to still be present with us in our grief when we are experiencing it right now. And that is exactly what Jesus does with Mary and Martha and the others who have come and they are in this present moment in this place of grief because their brother, their friend, maybe an extended family member has died. Jesus models for us that we need to be present for other people and their grief, and not try to short-circuit it, not try to talk them out of it, not to try to say, to rush them into eternity thinking 
when they're not on eternity's timetable. You know, I've um, dealt with this some in my own life, and I've seen other Christians who can deal with that, and that is because we do have the knowledge and we have the truth that someday all of our grief and our suffering and our sadness will end. Someday there will be no more tears because God will wipe them away and we will never again have a need for sadness and pain that, that, um, that, that we have to deal with. But sometimes what can happen is we can think that because we have that knowledge and we have that promise of the future, that somehow it can make us feel guilty for the suffering that we are experiencing in the present moment. And this story with Mary and Martha and Lazarus and how Jesus shows up and the fact that he takes the time to be fully present in the moment where they are, not the situation they're going to be in just a few minutes, certainly not the situation that they're going to be in in eternity, but he is fully present with them in that moment. And we don't have to feel guilty to be fully present in the moments where we are right now, even if those moments are filled with sadness and sorrow and grief and disappointment with God and a lack of understanding of why he didn't act the way that we thought that he should. When Jesus responds with grief, it's interesting because the other people who had come to be present with Mary and Martha who come to express their sympathies and to offer consolation, they are divided by Jesus' response. And this is, again, another reminder to us that we will never please everyone. Jesus didn't. If the Son of God didn't please everyone when he shows up and he's grieving with them at the death of someone, you can bet your bottom dollar that you are never going to please everyone. So we don't need to even try to set that as some sort of goal for our lives. It's never going to happen. Some people were moved by Jesus' grief. Other people were hardened by it. And they said, okay, couldn't this man who has done these other miracles, couldn't he have kept Lazarus from dying? See, they had written the same script that Mary and Martha had written. Lazarus is sick. Jesus is going to come. He's going to heal him. And we're all going to have a celebration. But Jesus hadn't gone along with that script like we talked about last time. He had shredded that script. How we respond when Jesus and God show up in the ways that we don't expect, when they don't align with our script, will either soften our hearts and draw us closer to Christ, or that will harden our hearts and pull us further away from him. I want you to be encouraged today, especially in a couple of areas. If you are in a position like Mary and Martha, where you are struggling, where you have experienced deep pain, grief, disappointment, God hasn't Follow the script that you've written, even though there's nothing wrong with the script. There wasn't anything wrong with the script that Mary and Martha and, and other people had written. There was nothing wrong with expecting or hoping or believing that Jesus would show up and heal Lazarus. That wasn't any kind of um, 
statement of unbelief in Christ, it made perfect sense. So it's never wrong to have these desires or hopes or, or expectations. It's just a matter of what do we do when life doesn't align with it and when God doesn't show up the way that we think. If you're in that place right now where you have, God, I had this script and you're not going along with it. It's not showing up the, the way that I, I thought it would. I don't have that spouse that I thought I would have by now. The spouse that I have had has, has betrayed me. The children that I raised to know you and love you, they're, they're not following you. They're, they're far from from you. Maybe they have entirely rejected you. Why is my nursery still empty when I watch other people have multiple children who have no regard for you whatsoever? Why did I lose that job? Why do I or my family member have to suffer with this cancer or this this health issue? You just don't live long in this life without coming up with a script that God doesn't align with, and you're left with a shredded script and a lot of grief. And I want you to know this, that we can see this from Scripture. First of all, when you show up and you bring that to God, He does not reject you, reject you. He does not shame you. He does not say, how dare you? Come to me with your disappointment, not at all. And know that God is with you. He knows the final outcome. And it may be that he knows that just as Mary and Martha were going to experience a dramatic turnaround in their situation in just a matter of moments, God knows that your situation may turn around tomorrow. It may be like Joseph, where he's in prison one day, totally forgotten, feeling totally abandoned, seeing no way out of his situation, looking at the fact that it just looked like he was going to die in this prison where he was imprisoned unjustly. And then poof, what do you know? The next day, he's the second leader in all of the land of Egypt, arguably the, the greatest nation on the planet at that time period. Maybe that's going to be your situation. Maybe it's not. Maybe your miracle and the change in your situation is going to come on the other side of eternity. But whatever it is, know this. God is fully present with you right now. Just as Jesus was fully present with Mary and Martha and the other mourners, so much so that he wept and grieved with them. God is with you. And just as we see that modeled by Jesus for us, that is also an example for us of how we can show up and be present for other people. We don't need to shove people into eternity responses when they're still living here on earth and having to deal with the very real pain and suffering and disappointment and grief that they are currently experiencing. All right, my friend, we're going to continue this um, dive into the uh, chapter 11 of the Gospel of John next week. 
In the meantime, I want to encourage you. If you haven't already, make sure to visit the website, stephaniepresents.com. You can listen to the podcast there on the, the website, on the podcast page. You can also find this, of course, on, on a number of different podcast player apps. But while you are there at the website, sign up for High Impact. It's a weekly newsletter that gives you some great resources that can help you and your family be able to fully engage in God's grand story for you as an individual. Remember this, you have an impact that is immeasurable, eternal, and irreplaceable. See you next time. Thank you for listening. For information on speaking engagements and other resources, visit the website at stephaniepresents.com. Remember, learn yourself, love God, and live connected.